threat of murder, sonata of slaying, a treble clef of terror. Louis Armstrong sang Hello, Dolly, through the walkie-talkie and told Jimmy he'd lost both his battleship and cruiser. Um, E5 and H5, Jimmy's salvo resulted in a cord of splintering wood and breaking strings, but no dead cows. Dakota Slim's next volley turned Jimmy's destroyer into chuck roast. It was time to play the way Jimmy always wanted, with heart. What did all those statisticians know about being down to your last submarine in some seedy bar with the price of a cheap motel and bottle of rye whiskey on the table anyway? It quite a lot. Actually, uh, Girolamo Cardano, founder of probability theory, was a gambler. The last thing Jimmy heard before a piano crashed through his roof were the dying screams of the cattle on his aircraft carrier's flight deck. Oh, yeah, the organizers had placed the contestants' shacks in the cornfield to ensure the players had skin. The housewife poured vodka into her smoothie and felt the purple elixir soothe her jangled nerves after the first sip. She knew she should be watching the twins, but the day at the park was her first moment alone in weeks. She carried her beverage past the picnic tables on her way to a motel on 6th Street while hoping the board games would keep her little monsters occupied during her rendezvous with Clyde Vivaldi. Jimmy Mussolini squinted through his good eye at his opponent. He didn't let the child's thick glasses fool him. Sure, the toe-headed boy couldn't be older than 10, but that junior high grud match had taught him never to underestimate an adversary. Both players were down to one ship each, the thrill that Jimmy lived for. H4, Jimmy said. You sank my battleship! Ha! Jimmy scraped the nickels, quarters, and bottle claps into his pockets and hauled himself onto his crutches. See you around, sucker! Holy crap! Wednesday. And you hear the trippy music. 
You know what time it is, Mutiny Radio listener. It is time for... Some call me... Tim? I will never time that right. I try to time it with that weird... And I've been doing this show for three years and I still can't figure it out. Some call me Tim here. First show, the new year. I am joined by soon-to-be famous comedian Anthony Zaccaro. Oh, thank you. Yay! (laughs) Glad glad to be here. Yeah, super awesome to have you here on Some Call Me Tim, the show where we talk about God and stuff. Uh, Did you watch The Holy Grail as a child? Um, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen that. I enjoyed it. Was that, a, was it a big part of your cultural upbringing or no? Uh, yeah, my, both of my parents, uh, raised me uh, Catholic, which is like a, a Christian undergrad or sure. like a Christian yeah. grad school. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, ca- Catholic is like, um, you drink out of grail. So you have cups. Yeah, you kneel a lot. Yeah, there's symbols. You genuflect, which is genuflect. The, the which is the very weird. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different like position switching in in a Catholic church. Ironically, not in any other area of your life if you're part of the Catholic church. Stand, uh, sit, kneel, 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 kneel. Yeah, yeah, and then you have the people that um, are they get like. Uh, solidified in the in the position they they think oh if i kneel longer once everyone sits down when it's my, your time i'm kneeling still like look how devoted i am Ooh. and then there's like these little tiny comp, silent competitions that go through i remember really yeah and then there was a there was a guy that would stand for most of the service just cuz he was like you know that respectful um, is it is it a martyrdom thing is it a connecting more deeply with Christ's sacrifice kind of thing? If it's a martyrdom thing, that's really sad because martyrs gave their lives and you're just standing for an hour and a half. Like there's no, I don't. It's an American weird. martyrdom. We're not, yeah. we're, not yeah. into, we're not into giving up much. It's like Occupy Wall Street of martyrdom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but was it a big part of your upbringing or? Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Well, yeah. look deep into the eyes of sparkle Jesus. Do you, do you believe in Jesus? Um, I, uh, I believe Jesus was a person. He probably did not look like that or <laughs> any, anything close to Jim Caviezel. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, there's no way he was born where he was born, uh, and looked like that. He, he sure. would need, uh, yeah, SPF a hundred. Yeah. And he has rosy he, cheeks there. They're very sexy, rosy cheeks. Yeah. He's like, he's like a live TV ready in yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. He's got the, the rouge and yeah. And everything. Yeah. Um, Green but eyes. yeah, he probably was a guy. Um, don't, yeah. Don't think he looked anything like that. Um, he, he was, was prob- he the son of God? Probably, probably not. Probably yeah. not. Um, Does God exist? That's that's quite the that's quite the, um I I don't think so. I think it would be very easy for him to let us know that mm. he he does cuz like that's that's what was my weird thing with like prophets and people that have claimed to talk to God is that he always he always goes to them in private there's always a secret like you're the messiah don't tell anybody you sure. know just I even though he could just you know hit reply all um, and talk to all of us. That's true. I, uh, well, now I've seen God. Okay. I've talked to God. I was also on acid at the time. Yes. yes but I, yeah, yeah. when I was inside a, a large disco ball, 
the the stars at night had turned into uh, an enormous an enormous disco ball that I was inside of, mm-hmm. and then God came and talked to me, and said, uh, "Chill the fuck out. Like you can totally calm down a lot. Your extra stress that you put on yourself, nobody's paying attention. Like I'm not even paying attention." He like high fived me. He's like, "It's cool, girl. Like everything's cool. Like don't." worry about it and I was like dude yeah you know because I was in San Diego at the time and I was like 19 and it was it was great so I had a personal experience with God and he was like a man and he was in flowing robes and he did come down and high five me like sort of like cool Jesus like like buddy Christ like it was kind of like that except he had gray white long white hair oh yeah he's oldest he's old as hell yeah excuse me but no wrinkles no wrinkle. Oh, yeah. No, he came down. He was like a majestic, like, I don't want to say Charlton Heston-esque, but like he had flowing hair and robes and he came down and he was like, it's cool. Chill out. So it could have been a guy from the beach that I just like or, misinterpreted because I was on so much acid for the first time. Could have been Matt Gubzer as well. Yeah, it could have yeah. been Matt Gubzer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was gonna. I was on a roast battle with him, um, and but he he didn't end up showing up, and so I have now. I just in my phone, I have like ten Matt Gumser jokes. Um, but yeah, and that's how it, that's how it works too, because like uh, with all the uh, yeah. Um, um, oh, to connect that back to religion, roasting, uh, burning at the stake. There we go. Now we're back. Ooh, sweet. Yeah. Now we're back. You're a witch. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're so clever, though. You are the best. You hosted Happy Hour a couple weeks ago, and. Mm. I was just tickled at how you, every single person, you had a great, you're just so quick. Like, you, you're so quick. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, even the people that weren't there um, that are now banned. <laughs> yeah, because you Because you pre-signed. But yeah, uh, oh no, it's just my favorite. Uh, it's just my favorite thing. Um, it's something that... Uh, it's something that I've done with my friends, like all the time. Where does it come from? Why are you so good at making fun of people? But in a way that doesn't make them feel like shit. Like, where did you learn this, like this charming skill? Well, it's just uh, when when I was in went from middle school to high school. Um, I I went to I was I went to a middle school where nobody from my middle school went to the high school. Oh, me too. Very very few, except for my brother and maybe one other friend. Um, and it was a bigger high school than uh, I went to a very small Catholic middle school mm. um, that had like just opened. So we had like a new principal every year. It was kind of yeah. like the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, you know, just kind of sure. dies out every year. Um, but yeah, and then uh, then when I got into high school, I just said every joke that popped into my head, whether it was an insult or any kind of joke. Um, and so for what reason though, to get attention, or because it was such a big school, you wanted to. De- like you want to differentiate yourself? Because that's how I thought I made. That, that's how I thought you made friends. It was by being funny. Yeah, yeah, and so. But that's, where did that come from? Why did you feel the need to be funny, and why did you rely on that? Even at such a young age, you're 14. You're just out of junior high. Because I, uh, I definitely like got a, a very interesting genetic roll of the dice around middle school because I was kind of I was kind of overweight I had bad skin and I was on Accutane at the time All right, yeah. which 
uh, is the 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 drug that uh, if girls get pregnant on it on they, the back of every pill yeah. it has a no babies. It's yeah. so great. My roommate was on it, and I used to save them because I was like, I want this for an art project. And you peel off the little thingy, and it's it's a little round nubbin, and it's a no pregnant with the, a dicker. The so, most warnings you will ever see on anything it's were so for great. that. Yeah, the, the little anti-pregnancy with the little red thing and the slash. I used to just laugh and laugh. You had to peel those off every day. Yeah, yeah, and then it, uh, it's yeah, it's it's crazy, it's crazy, and then also the 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 really messed up thing was that um, it it was in like uh, um, the side effects were just as bad as having acne. Like wow. it got rid of the acne, but uh, my my lips were just like two ashtrays, like they were just oh. so so dry. It made my joints hurt, like all this stuff. Um, and then I also had uh, my current hair, but smaller and like tighter curls. Oh, so I had, uh, yeah. And then what movie came out? Super bad. Oh, so wow. Super bad. And caused, you were a little portly, so they were calling you. They, they were calling me Jonah Hill. Jonah and, Hill. Yeah. And, and he's very funny, so you became funny. Probably that's how, but mainly, mainly it was me trying to get on the same level as the the people that, um, you know, were cool in sure. in high school, and then that's kind of where I was throughout all of high school. I was just kind of the the popular kids' court gesture. Right? Was, wow! Yeah. You were the fool. You were the Shakespearean fool. You were telling them the truth that they couldn't handle from other people. Right, and right. You were, but you were doing because you're like, look at my wacky hair. Yeah, yeah. Like I could, I could make fun of them in a way that no one. I realized I could make fun of them in ways that not other people could. Right. Um, sure. Like this one football player, very popular football player, was uh, um, making fun of uh, this one kid for acting kind of, um, you know, let's yeah, acting gay. Mm-hmm. Acting gay. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, and I just like looked at him straight in the eyes, and I was like, well, there's, there's multiple kinds of gay people. There's the ones that are pretty obvious. Then there's the ones that you know play football, work out all the time, and make fun of other people for being gay. And I just like kept going and describing him. And then he kind of, he kind of like started to turn his head, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm pushing this thing too far. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. but then, yeah. So that's, and then uh, in. Don't co- take down the king. Right. Right. And then, and definitely in college, uh, my friends and I, we started doing. Um, uh, shows at my uh, my friend's house, um, and, and these are your first comedy shows. Uh, were no, you doing stand up, or are you just making fun of people in front of other people? Oh no, this was uh, yeah. So this was uh, just uh, two years ago. So I was doing okay. stand up for a oh, little okay. bit. Okay. Um, and then uh, we started doing these shows, and uh, during these shows, it was kind of more uh, laid back. So we would roast, and we would like do kind of crowd work because it was just in our house. Yeah. Um, and then um, one year, my friend did a roast for my birthday, and then we've done that uh, at least three or four times since then. So just a lot of practice writing roast jokes, and also recognizing that there's a format to a roast joke, ah. which, which is uh, you look like this if this happened to them. Right. You know, like uh, I use a lot of examples with myself. Like I look like Seth Rogen mugged you and I'm the police sketch. Right. Like, right, right. Like Paul that. Giamatti. That's what my boyfriend today remembered. He's like, yeah, Anthony Zuccaro, Paul Giamatti and somebody had a baby. Right. Th- what's right. the joke? It's like you actually say that you're 
Paul Giamatti and someone else's love child or something. Right, right, yeah. Um, and I, I have a lot of different... Uh, <laughs> you just switch or, it up. You're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Paul Giamatti and anybody. <laughs> but, but that's the, the beauty of a roast joke is t- uh, saying an insult to someone that the audience hasn't really thought of yet, but then it's kind of like uh, when you're relating, like in regular stand-up, when you're just having a relatable joke where someone goes, oh, I do that. But sure. instead of that, you're trying to predict oh what do, what does the audience think about this person already wow yeah, yeah it's like a chess game you did a really good job of answering my question but going around the around it and then coming back to it so can i give you my thought of why i think you got into comedy in junior high sure, i don't know you sure. very well but i did meet your twin brother oh yeah yeah. Your fraternal that, twin brother. That's true. Who looks really different than you do. Yeah, he's very was, attractive. Was man. he yeah. always blessed with um, the tallness and the model good looks and the. Oh, yeah. Or was oh, yeah. he. So you're on Accutane and he's not. No braces. No braces? No, no glasses either. I also had bad vision since I was like 12. And all right. Then, yeah, so he... Uh, Took all of the good did, genes. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're twins, and he just <laughs> he just split it down. Not that you're bad genes, you have great genes. You're awesome. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. he just like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, he he got uh, just one big recessive, and then he, he got, you know, everything. Um, but yeah, he got, you know, jaw, the natural, uh, like, yeah, bone structure. His and hair's even straight. Yeah, his hair's straight. Mine is not. Yeah, and um, yeah, just all the way down the line. He never, he never really had to w- deal with acne. I mean, he had like the natural teenage amount, but yeah, he never. Like every once in a while, he get. But one, he yeah. didn't need, you know, a clinical trial medication for it. You know, <laughs> like I did. Um, and then that was also the messed up thing about like taking Accutane was that it would dry out my skin, and then people were like, you know, it would make uh, you know Lizard come on your jokes. face jokes yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. yeah. and uh, yeah, I. Got I got, I got bullied for that, and then, sure. so basically, I, um, I'm probably good at roasting out of necessity from getting verbally, you know, yeah, in that way. Assaulted since from birth. See, I was, um, I was always taught that um, it, people, uh, ugly people, get personalities. Well, but I, I just was like, I don't mean it like that because I feel the same way. I'm like, thank God I have a personality. But when I was in junior high and high school, I was, I was portly and I was made fun of and it was, I was never pretty enough. And now I look back and I'm like, I was a really pretty person. Like I wasn't an ugly person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't even believe that I had spent so much time like worrying about my physical appearance when I could have been making fun of other people and being clever. But, um, like I just, it's, you get, you, you gain personality through that, like through that Mm -hmm. kind of experience of being bullied and then eventually you become a comedian. I think that's yeah. just what ends up happening. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a very there's a very fine line between like a uh, comedian and like the uh, the old kind of serial killer. Yeah, which, which is which is that it's it's just it's just the if you if your childhood stopped right before the line of you know very dark. Right. You know, there's sure. like a. There's like a like serial killers like well, like a serial killer grows up and like kills female chefs because his mom beat him with a frying pan you know it connects right, sure, back sure, to the childhood sure, sure. Yeah. like the comedian version of that guy his mom would just verbally abuse him <laughs> from the kitchen or something right but yeah so the yeah there's a very there's a very fine line there I feel like uh, if a comedian just had one more thing happen to them if they had to you know under murder the a rat or yeah or like chop the head off a bird or like there's it's 
just, it would just take right. one like bloody incident, like yeah. of some kind, and then whoops, you took the turn to serial killer. <laughs> Tom Segura. Start. Tom Segura has a great line where it's like comedians and serial killers are very similar in the way that if you see another comedian, you're like, I respect what you do. I don't do it the same way, but. Oh, game recognizes game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very true. Well, uh. the audience does. The one thing I do believe in with comedy that always, I always have to remind myself because I can get down on myself in this comparative, competitive thing that can happen right, with yeah. co comedians. And it doesn't have to be that way if you have this mindset that the audience has an infinite ability to laugh mm. and you and I can do it totally differently. Therefore, there is no competition because really... We should be collaboratively thinking about the whole night and trying to make the audience laugh in as many ways as possible. So as a booker, right, right. so as a booker, it takes it off. This is a person I think who's funny. This is a person I think who's funnier. It's not that. It's in what way are they going to make the audience laugh, and do I want that for this show? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then, as a comedian, it becomes, well, how many different audiences, and how can our material so that we don't get seen in just this one way? Like I only know how to make the audience laugh this way, or. You don't want to get pigeonholed, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think audiences um, think about how... Because we're always worried about following someone that killed. Right. Um, but I don't think audiences see that as much as like, oh, this guy killed and now this this person is not as good. But they feel it a little bit, but it's not... I don't think it's as conscious as we worry about. Sure. Uh, but if there's... If, there's, if someone kills... The person who's going next, I try to make sure that they're not exactly the same. For example, mm -hmm. I wouldn't put who's another roast person that I'd be like. I um, Clay does them a lot. Clay, like, I'm thinking like maybe like Charlie Spink. No, you guys are so different. He could do puns all day and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, like let's say that Clay Newman and then you. You guys kind of even look. You look a little yeah, similar. Yeah, that's, that's happened. Yeah. So you've got the kind of hair thing, and yeah. and there's you have kind of a similar energy. I wouldn't do that. I'd mm. switch it up and I'd put like a female there or, you know, I hate prop comics, but I don't yes, know. Like, a... But there's, but sometimes the audiences love prop. I mean, and some audiences, maybe they don't like roast jokes. I'm sure that you've been in places where you're like doing your crowd work and you offend someone and oh, they're yeah, pissed yeah. at you or. But the good thing is usually if I'm going at an audience member in that way, in that roasting way, the yeah. audience is also doesn't like them too right. because they've interrupted the show or something right right because uh, so it's, it's a heckle roast that's a great way to get out of heckling isn't it oh yeah that's the that's the only way i know how right, like, right. yeah that happened at maggie and mcgarry's a little while ago i i have this joke about how uh the only the only time white men ever get police attention is if their wife goes missing that's the that's the most <laughs> true crime a serial shows. killer right yeah yeah um or uh, yeah you know the they took them on the the last life insurance policy cruise or something like that but yeah so i have that joke and i say so that you know my girlfriend if she ever gets in a tragic accident i'll have alibis ready because sometimes the girlfriend will get in a tragic accident and then the husband gets blamed still you know right. um and so i had then that i won't do the whole thing but it leads to me saying i'd be okay if my girlfriend died and then this woman shouts out in the audience she goes uh she, she says i lost my daughter <laughs> and then yeah and everyone just kind of goes silent i'm like what are you doing here go find her uh, and then uh yeah but she had been yelling out before and she was also for some reason she was filming the open the maggie's open mic on a digital camera 
Uh -huh. uh, which I which I made fun of her for. I said that's like painting a mural of a trash can. <laughs> it's like why are you filming an open mic on a digital camera? Um, and then she had a she had a fedora and like a cam uh, not a. A cheetah print vest, so I called her Carmen San Jose. And, I know who it is, uh, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, because she's sort of a comic, but not a comic, but she tries to, she's on bacon a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I can, yeah. I, well, I she, she, she had a rough time that night. Um, and while the crowd, well, <laughs> while the crowd is dying um, from what, something I said, she kept on saying like, uh, like, uh, she kept on trying to speak and I was like, you don't want to do this. You, you don't want to do this. And then, yeah. So basically my, I did like two extra minutes because, That's uh, rad. yeah, Austin was just like, I got to keep this going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was the audience was like, fuck her, which is weird. Cause I've never heard someone say like, I lost my daughter and then get like <laughs> kind of booed and like groan, you know, like usually that's like a moving sentence. <laughs> I made um, someone cry once because I did a, my, my abortion joke made someone cry and she had to leave. She had to leave wow. with spankies in, um, up in, uh, Katari. Okay. She had to leave the bar, her friend, they yelled and they were so upset. And I was like. I've never been so happy. I made a person cry and leave with a joke. Wow. Wow. There you I go. felt so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. So you're, you're a roast there's, master. There's, there's another like serial killer thing. It's a good feeling that you made yeah, someone cry made and someone leave. Cry. Yeah, yeah. She was in a dumb outfit too. It was Halloween and it oh, was like, go. come on. Uh, but my, my way that I refute hecklers, I only have one way and it's always the same. Mm -hmm. I don't get heckled very much because I don't know. I don't know why. I, just I think don't. it's, I think it's because there's nowhere in, in your, in your set, there's nowhere there for them to really jump in because it's very <laughs> like, you're very high energy and then on yeah. also and very confident as well, because I feel like hecklers will jump in on the comedians that kind of have like a, a Ryan good case kind of like, it's kind of like a little monotone, a little low energy, sure. which is fine. I mean, it works, but they, they feel like they can yell and overpower that kind of that kind of thing. Sure. Um, but, uh, but then why do they want to? That's the thing. Like, well, yeah, that's what a, kind of weird attention are you yeah. trying to get that you go out to a comedy show? And especially if you've paid for it, mm -hmm. if it's in like a real venue or somewhere, anywhere you've paid, you know, you go there knowing comedy's going to be there mm -hmm. and then you engage and you know what comedy is. And then you engage in a conversation with the person on stage. It's like you're, breaking the rules on purpose what the fuck are you doing like why what do yeah. you what are and you gonna it, get out of this it must be some kind of disconnect from that they yell at their tv screen and oh, so it's the netflix paradox yeah yeah they yell at their tv screen which is the only reason i watch jeopardy is to <laughs> yell at my tv screen but yeah the um and the i've seen it happen when i've been you know hanging out at Cobbs, and a comedian is up there and they're they're starting to do crowd work Cobbs? and uh not really heck like not really heckling per se but i've seen the the netflix thing where someone uh someone will ask someone a question in the front row and then they'll just have this kind of blank stare on their face 
And then he, and then the, I've seen like Corey Holcomb was like, there's no screen motherfucker. I'm talking right to you. I can see you. Like, like, and then he went out and he like touched his hand. He was like, I'm real motherfucker. Like I'm real. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, live, live performances. Since we're always looking at screens, there could be something that's happening where live performances, they, they, you have the disconnect of, they haven't uh, been trained. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I wonder, um, yeah, the, the whole heckler thing is the same in the same category of my brain as people that talk during movies and, um, that kind of, you're ruining it for everybody else. I just don't under, yeah, I just don't understand. You're ruining it, but people on the, but there's a lot of times though that people, okay, here's what I can equate it to. Um, people on the bus that feel the need to be on their phone speaking loudly and even sometimes leaving it on speakerphone. Oh, yeah. So it's on speakerphone, you're on the bus, and you're purposely speaking loudly. Now... You see that a lot with FaceTime as well. People just decide to FaceTime out in the world. The only thing I can think is that they are so disenfranchised and so not listened to in every other corner of their life that the only place that they can feel listened to is when they are on the bus and they force people into listening yeah. to their conversation. Uh, like that's the only thing I can think of is that nobody ever listens to them. Mm-hmm. And so now they go to this place, may it be the bus, may it maybe it's an open mic that at a place an open mic and they decide to film and heckle. Like there's some there's some other place in their life where they're no one's where their opinions and what they say is not listened to and not important. So I have to take an empathetic view maybe of oh, I see. the yeah. heckler. Like, why would you do that? So whenever I get heckled, I just look at them and I say, can I ask you a question? And they usually say yes. And if it's a man, I ask if they're my dad. And if it's a woman, I ask if they're my mom and whatever they answer. I'm like, why don't you love me? Why did you <laughs> never love me? You don't, these people, they love me. And you don't. <laughs> And I kind of like, depending on how they react, I sort of like break down and get really like over the top emotional. And that makes everybody laugh Mm -hmm. because they're like, because I'm being so over the top ridiculous with it. Or if they say yes, I'm like, then why don't you love me more? Like you never show it. (laughs) So I did you, (laughs) you paid to be here and then I just can't, Mm -hmm. but either way I can take it into a track where it works. And and it's the only thing I kind of had to come up with it because of the brainwash back in the day and just getting, like, I was so afraid of getting heckled. And when it happened, like there was a one time at a place called club 93 years ago. And I, I don't know if Chris Riggins was running this, who was running it, but I was such a new comedian. I was like in my first year and a half and I got up on stage there and it was an open mic, but I couldn't remember a single joke. I just Mm -hmm. completely blanked out and that never happened to me before. And I couldn't think of anything and I couldn't do crowd work and I couldn't do anything. And I stood there and I couldn't think of anything. And then I just was like, I'm sorry. I put the mic back. And then I went underneath the bar and I cried. I I cried. I was like, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And people like came under the bar and they're like, it's okay. It has to happen sometime. It's okay. It's good it happened here where it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> in the Tenderloin where nobody's here. Right. It's 11 to 30 at night. None. This doesn't matter. <laughs> but like there, 
there, you've got to have it. After that, I was like, I always have to have an out. No matter what, there's got to be something I can think of. I don't know. Do you, do you have any, like, really traumatic things that happened in your first trial? Well, it sounds like you were, you've been doing it since you were in junior high. Not, like, like open mics, but it sounds like you've been the comedian. Right, you've yeah, been the socially throughout yeah. high school, for sure. Yeah, um, and then um, in my first... And my first try, like, starting out, I just had jokes that were just way, way more offensive than funny. And, ah. I, and I didn't know all of the stuff I was writing was really about those subjects. And sure. I didn't know how to do it yet. Like, I wasn't talented enough to be able to get away with dancing around those topics like you have to do sometimes. Like cheesy dicks? What were you talking about? I was, you... I was talking about how um, when God uh, when God made Africa, he made it the same way that when I accidentally emailed my first draft to my professor instead of the final essay, and I had only worked on the intro. Because um, I was... and I, Yeah, and I, so I'm basically saying that like... like he only worked on South Africa and then the rest, he just kind of, yeah. And so I'm saying that and people are just like, Jesus Christ, like what, <laughs> what kind of shit is this? And then, um, yeah. And I just had like a bunch of, a bunch of stuff like that. And, um, I was also, I was, uh, I was so nervous that I would just talk so quickly up there. I still kind of do that sometimes on accident. Um, and, um, the worst one was when, I uh, I brought a girl to an open mic, which is the classic Oof. mistake that I'm sure everyone's made. Do you um, want a date in the future? <laughs> yeah. And, is this the uh, last time you want to see her? Bring her to an open mic. Right, right. Um, and then it was um, it was brainwash, um, and I was number I think I was number fifteen, and so which was perfect. We went yeah. and we got uh, like something to eat and came back. But because it was the brainwash, my number 15 turned into like a 32 oh, yeah. from all these drop-ins. Sure, of course. Um, and no one knew me there. So I right. didn't, yeah, Tony had seen me like twice, but yeah. Uh, and so there was all these drop-ins. Bumped, 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 bumped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and so that oh, one was one of the worst oh. sets I've ever done because it was just nervous. And You've uh, been there forever. You took her yeah. to get somewhere else, and now you're there. And, and now I'm, you I'm have feeling to that drinking. she wants to leave. Yeah, but, but it's I'm, not yet. I can, do you want to go? You can go, but I don't really want to yeah. leave for my set. <laughs> I'm in the purgatory of, like, I'm within the next five, I right, think. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'm doing that very uncomfortable thing, which probably is uncomfortable for hosts, too, where the, the comics will do, like, the um, uh, the list, like, hover, the drive-by. Yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. Kind of just... Uh, uh, looking by. Yeah. yeah. Where am I on that list? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then make uh, uh, make eye contact and just kind of just... Okay, I'm still here. Yeah. Still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Let's get, get me up there. Oh, uh, I'll go ask. I always... um I grease the right wheels. I always bring pot food. So oh, if I have to, like... If I ever need anything, I just, like you know, float a little treat on by and mm -hmm. then all, all will work in my favor. That's good. But it's That's bribery. Good. I mean, so you, so you, what happened in the set? Did you just bomb just well, I horribly? Well, I did that Africa joke. Oh, more of yeah. it, more of it than I am remembering right now. There was like more to it. Um, Call Africa a country. That's always funny. There's a book called... <laughs> Or no, yeah, Africa is not a country. It's a good little kids book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. That would be that would, but that would be a way to bring that joke home, I guess. Like yeah, my ignorance was, is part of the joke. Right. Whatever. That's the only. Yeah. That's the only way that even remotely is okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, that was that was a rough one. There was another rough one around the same time where I brought 
um, I didn't like bring a girl to the open mic. I just happened to see a friend while I was on my way there. Yeah. And then, um, and then I realized while she was sitting there that, oh shit, I'm in this position again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Um, but this oh, one was geez. more improvised. And then I, I got, I, I got up to do my set. And then when I came back, another comedian was sitting next to her and like hitting on her and <laughs> did it so badly that I and I I know who he is, uh, but yeah, did it so badly that uh, she just was not like not Receptive available. Yeah. to talking to people anymore. Yeah, yeah, she was done with comedians after like absolutely probably didn't. Yeah, listen to my set. Horrible people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. she wasn't listening to your set because that comedian was chatting her up while she was probably trying to listen to your set. Right, right. Yeah, and um, and thanks for that, Zane. Um, and we've talked we've zane and i have talked about this this happened a long time ago um but yeah that 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 nose ring didn't help Uh, I should ask Zane how he manages to do coke with a nose ring. I don't. That's that, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, I think it's that he has a real job and makes money. It's, it's oh, there you go. Ah, yeah, that's, that's ah, the difference. That's how it works. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, and then there was another an, another awful. I've I had a lot of awful sets in my first two years, but you you really, but you're big now. Like so, for people that don't realize, um, Anthony recently opened up for Jen Kirkman at Cobb's. That's fucking huge. Like. She's a person in LA that has a really large following. She's written a couple of novels. Mm-hmm. She's a real famous person. And like, that's amazing. How did you, I mean, so, so when you're like, you know, I, I bummed at these open bikes, like, do you, you've sort of propelled, you're, you're doing it. You're, yeah, you're it a stand up comic. Like, this is your, it's not your full time job, but kinda. Almost get, getting there. Get yeah, there. The, the, that's the that's the 2019 goal is to definitely get further along there. Start because uh, I just too too recently I started going to the punchline every Sunday. But I know I don't go either. Um, I'm so terrible. But yeah, that was mainly yeah uh, that was mainly like uh, school and job related back when I was at SF State. But yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, but yeah, so the yeah it's it's crazy because the I got that um, the Jen Kirkman thing in a weird way because I was working at Cobb's as an usher and then uh-huh. uh, the opener was late and they were about to go on with no opener Oof. and so then I popped my head uh, popped my head in and I was like hey I can um, I can do this and then my boss asked me if I had ten minutes so much that I started to second guess it myself oh like, no you're like I, like I just did fifty but you you easily have you have thirty I've seen you do thirty I've seen you do yeah I've seen you do huge amounts of time so I mean I know that you, you can do it yeah you know but he's the he, uh, he's great he's the ma- uh, the general manager at Cobbs he's he's great but yeah the he was just so he just has to check like, he's like that. sink or swim boy sink or swim yeah gonna... yeah and then when I when I got called on like when I went on stage uh my uh Austin yeah um who runs the Maggie's mic uh he uh was doing he was supposed to turn up the lights uh-huh. and he got so excited for me <laughs> god bless his heart he got so excited for me that he didn't turn up the lights by the time I got on there so my first joke is the at the biggest show potentially or the biggest show so far is like leave it in the dark it's better that way like just <laughs> it's better it's better that way and then he like frantically you see him like turn up the lights they go to like 
full and then back down a little bit. And I was like, see, told you. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. And then my other first you joke was. You got big jokes from, big laughs from that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my second joke was clap if I sat you because I had just sat the entire audience oh, as an usher. Oh, so funny. Um, and so, yeah. So I made it like, I got the audience in on the fact of what was happening. Yeah. Um, and then when, then this year came around and then I was lucky enough to be able to do it again. Uh, with Natasha Muse, who's amazing. She's amazing. My, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. So funny. Um, we actually, we, um, in between, like, uh, after her, uh, Natasha's set, um, I I got a little too cross-faded with her in the green room. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, re- I forgot that I had to, like, go back on stage and say, like, a few things. Like, the ending, like... This is what's happening at Cobb's next week. Oh, that's so funny. And so I was, that was the most focused I've ever been on stage because I was, we had been hitting the, uh, the, the vape pen and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was great. It was, that was fantastic. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, um, my goal for 2019 is definitely, definitely do more roasts and go to go try to go to the punchline every Sunday, see what I can do to get up there. I was thinking about making the Sunday thing, part of my New Year's resolution. I did it back in the day. I went every week for 52 weeks and I did get up and it was, I, I shouldn't have done it so early. It was in my second year of comedy mm-hmm. and I should have waited. Cause now, I mean, I'd be fine. I could get 10 minutes anywhere, even seven. I know time better. Right. I know yeah. like I ran the light. I didn't know where the light was. It was so, but the thing is like, I did it back in the day of Jeff Samaria and then he passed it off to this other person. So all of my time went out the window and there was a new person oh, and then they finally let yeah. me go up Yeah. and it was all weird. And then I was like, I had such a negative experience that I was like, fuck this, mm-hmm. but I've been comedy for seven and a half years now. So I think that five years have passed. I can go back and be, but I can do, I'm not, I'm not scared anymore. I mean, not that I was scared, but it's a, it's a big audience. And now I'm like, yeah, whatever I did Arkansas. I don't have, I've done Cobbs before. And I'm like, I'm I'm not scared of like, like I'm, I wouldn't, it wouldn't freak me out to have no, like, cause that what happened is they just like walk up to you and go, all right, you're up next. And I was like, oh fuck, it sucks because you don't have an opportunity to get the people, your friends there or have anybody support mm-hmm. you. And you're like, this is a big deal, but there's no one here to see it. Ah! And yeah. Then, yeah. That's... And so like I, and I freaked out. Anyways, I didn't, I didn't. That's why that. every comedian's cover photo on Facebook is them at punchline. Right. <laughs> I have like, one. Here's, here's proof that this happened. I yeah. have a picture on my Facebook of me doing the punchline from years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just don't even show it because I'm like, ugh, I just didn't, I was I wish I would have waited even longer because yeah. now I can go up and I'll be like, yeah, good. I, you know, I can start doing it again. And I'm funny right, enough that right. they might want me back. Although Very now true. my reputation precedes me as a terrible person. So maybe not, but you have a sparkly clean, like it's anyone I've ever talked to. Like I've never heard a negative word about you. Like oh, nice. that you're no, that you're funny. That's important that you're like, no one's ever been like, oh, fuck Anthony's car. I've never heard that. Like, you're just a personable, cool guy who also, I've never seen you not have a, I've never seen you at a bad set. I've never seen you and gone like, oh, God. Like, yeah, it, I've been, I've been very either lucky or been able to, you know, um, I've been, that's one of the things I've always tried to do is just at least consistent at like a, a six out of 10 at the lowest, you know, like, <laughs> Like right, I, I, no one remembers no, you sucking. Yeah, yeah. I've like, seen you do great though. I mean, and if you've had the opportunity to do great and you do great in it, so right. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. pressure doesn't affect you. That's great. You're still funny. You're like, get it done. Tell and the also, jokes. it's yeah. It's it's important to be able to um, 
realize like oh this especially during like a 10 or 15 that maybe it's not going so well in the beginning that oh okay i can i can turn this around but i have to i gotta do something yeah um i did at the at the gold lounge i i like did terribly for eight minutes and then when he gave me after is that uh, the strip club no, that's a gold that's club. over on uh, Broadway. Oh, in uh, Oakland. Yeah, that's okay, the okay, one okay, with uh, okay. Larry Dorsey. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I did, I was doing 10 minutes. I did eight minutes of just like barely getting anything. And then when he gave me the light, I was like, good. Like, I just like said good. And then that got like a big laugh. And then I was able to coast on that for two minutes. And so that one, that one was like a five. Yeah, like, but like, that it doesn't, it's what they remember. That's the thing. It's not how you started. Right, it's how right. you end. They're not going to remember. What they will remember is that guy was kind of shitty in the beginning. And then, wow, he was funny. But they aren't going to like, they're going to judge you by what you remember, what they remember. And it's usually, you know, it's the end of your set. That's like right, the last yeah. thing they that they remember. Yeah. You could, but that's a good thing to learn. You can always bring it back. One thing I learned from Natasha Muse, because you mentioned her. Mm-hmm. I saw her do a set at the Punchline years and years ago. And she opened up with um, her gender non-binary situation. And someone in the audience went, said something. They said a sentence like, they answered it funny, like, really? They said it in a funny way. And then she did 10 minutes saying whatever they said over and over again with different inflections and like repeating it and looking at people and doing stuff. But that was it. Like, and I just, it blew my mind. I was like, you had a, I think that she knew how to set when she went up there, but she abandoned her set and went with this crowd work thing and did it for 10 minutes. And, and it was hilarious. And I was like, I was just like, wow. That was the moment where I like ding, I was like, oh, okay. Now I now I get it when people like have and she's actually just finished filming something for Showtime or something awesome. And I, it's like oh, it's yeah. about time for yeah. for the world to be like, Natasha Muse, you're a badass. Yeah, like, I think she's gonna do uh, something with uh Two Do Queens. I know she did that in the past, but she said on Facebook it was like something else with Two Do Queens, which is awesome. She's hilarious. Yeah. Um but yeah, maybe that was something that cause uh um, I watch. I watch. This is the nerdiest thing I get. But I watch a lot of battle rap, um, which is like rap battling two two men rhyming about how they're gonna kill each other. Basically, <laughs> that's all it is. Um, but yeah, and so, but but a cool thing that one of them does is that he'll he'll have like what he's written before, the rhymes and all that stuff. But then he'll freestyle something that also rhymes with uh-huh. what he's written. Mm. So it looks like the whole thing is freestyled. Which as an audience member, you're like, oh my god, he's coming up with all of this. So maybe Natasha had something written that worked well with that crowd work, and that's how she was able to carry it, carry it on. And then, as an audience member, you're like, "Oh my God, this is all improvised!" Right? And yeah, because the veil has not been lifted. Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing too. People don't realize that stand-up comedians do all this practice, and there's open mics, and that even before you decide to do comedy, even before I decided to do comedy. I used to practice stories and lines at myself in the mirror because I was going to a bar and I was going to meet people or I was going to a party and I was going to try to impress people. Mm -hmm. But I don't tell them, yeah, I practiced all... People think I'm witty and fun and cute. And that's because I practice my fucking dialogue, you know? Right. Well, I mean, even normal people do that in, in the way that they tell a story. They'll leave out the fact that the... 
nothing happened on the Uber over there. I don't have to mention the, anything about the car ride to wherever I'm going. I can just, you know, jump cut to sure. I was at I was at this place. Yeah. So Witty it's story. Yeah, that's like pre Witty banter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, that's also the the funny thing about people mentioning that, like, the re- very religious people mentioning that the New Testament fits in so well with the Old Testament. And it's like, yeah, well, it was written after. Of course, yeah, it's like the second Lord of the Rings just matches up so well with the first Isn't one. Isn't that yeah. funny how they're it's, in the same land like the, and the same things? Yeah. New and new and old. New and old. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really think that the New Testament jives at all with the Old Testament because the Old Testament is about a vengeful, jealous God. And the New Testament is about a loving, caring, sacrificial God that wants you to still remember the old mean God that can smite you and strike you down like the, like the Jericho, like the walls of Jericho. God was like a, a dad that stopped drinking in between the New and, or the Old and New Testament. He exactly. was just like, I'm sober now, but remember? Remember, remember when I used to beat you up? Remember yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember me raining fire down on your entire thing? Remember remember the plagues, bitch? You remember? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Killing firstborns. What, what? <laughs> mean, mean God. And then it's like, Oh, everybody. Well, and Jesus was a total, um, it's really interesting because the, the new test, there's this really great thing that happens in the book of Acts in the new Testament. And it's where you see, um, socialism turn to fascism, like really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's, they decide the church is all together. Jesus has gone up to heaven. Everybody has accepted the Holy spirit's come down. They speak in tongues and they're like, blah, 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 let's tell to the world and Jesus Christ. And so they start the church and Peter is there and everybody's there and they say, everybody has to give everything to the church and then we're going to take care of everybody. And everybody goes, oh, okay, socialism, I love it. It's great. Blah, blah, blah. And then this one guy and his wife, oh, they sold a piece of land, but they kept a little money for themselves. They said, oh, this is, we're not going to tell the church about this land. We're not going to do that. So the church calls in the man and says, hey, bro, did you steal that piece of land, sell that piece of land and not give us the money? And he went, no and then God struck him down and they carried him out and they buried him was that God or was that them did did socialism turn to fascism like boom but then they follow it up Uh, husband's dead he's out he's buried in the back whatever they bring in the wife hey wife lady how you doing it's good stuff hey did you guys sell that piece of land you could just tell us you know if you want you could tell us or whatever and she also says no and then they strike her well God struck her down and they carry her out and they bury her in a different place, not next to her husband, because now, you know, that bond has no meaning, but it's like socialism to fascism so fast. And I love that part of the Bible. And that's in the new Testament too. And so what does that say? Was that say socialism's bad or I, I don't even know how, I don't even know how pastors can interpret the Bible now and, and like, attune it to our social mores i just don't even know how it can be used as an instructive piece of literature that's why the current pope is just like i don't know i I, I don't know man like atheists can go to heaven yeah sure condoms great use them awesome please yeah and then uh, the couple of other things like he said um uh yeah he's definitely like the even though he looks like the um the evil cult leader from Game of Thrones or whatever, the most recent <laughs> seasons, uh, the, the high, the the high septum or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, 
<laughs> yeah, but the yeah the current pope has gotten a lot of people uh, a lot of people probably angry because he's like yeah, be, gay sure like he's just all very laid back and then the yeah. last guy just quit right was that the guy Wasn't that just there resigned a black guy from Brazil wasn't he the pope for a minute I thought I don't I can't keep up with. I can't keep up I with feel like I would have seen more world. people, more like Christians, be angry at that. There might have been, there might have been more, yeah, more riots. Yeah, I'm just, I could be just making things up. I don't know. Does uh, the Pope, so do you think, does the Catholic Church still have, I mean, I guess they have relevance because they have a lot of money, but I mean, do you think that the Pope has sort of still a dominion over this world, or is that, if we, is it gone by the. Not as much as way back. Way back in history, yeah. um, for sure. Ooh. Kind of like the the royal family. The Pope was kind of like the English royal family. It's like they they're they're yeah. there. Yeah. They have a lot of money. They kind of got their own thing going on. But right. now they're just like fan celebrities that fanboys can be like, oh, Prince Harry. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like I think uh, <laughs> in Italy, like the Vatican is like a cool like place it's got its own swiss guards and everything and right. um but i mean they they have they have spears like uh, yeah and um but anyway uh yeah see this is what this is what happens when i when i smoke yeah, and, yeah. anyway we uh, can go any i mean that's the whole thing about this podcast though we can go in any direction and switch channels whenever you want it doesn't good. matter it doesn't the, the audience knows that it, it we can go anywhere. We haven't even talked about abortion yet. <laughs> we oh, haven't they, talked they, about abortion. They, there you go. No, we don't. We uh, just, it's just about, I mean, it's, it's like, and we literally, we haven't really gotten to the place of like what you believe in now. I mean, you're not Catholic anymore, right? No, no. I, I, I'm kind of, uh, uh, I'm, I'm atheist, but I, that's just the best word that describes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of am just, uh, you believe in higher powers or a higher power? Not, qu- not quite. Um, I, I think that, uh, growing up Catholic, it gave me a good sense of, uh, I, like I took the morality from it, uh-huh. which is, which is, I mean, it has a Don't lot be of a serial killer, right? It has a lot of good teachings in that way. It's, uh, it's weird that, uh, there's no sexual assault in the 10 commandments like that. I think that would be one of the, the big ones. Uh, well, is there something no, on it? It's don't cheat on your wife or whatever. No, no, it's don't covet each your don't neighbor's goods. Don't cover your oh right, because, because, like, and a wife is your wife part was of the, part, part of your neighbor's goods. goods. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. you own the women. Uh, sure. I love yeah. I love Bill Burr's joke about that, which is like, uh, um, uh, don't touch my bike. That's my wife. Like, that's, <laughs> that's that's essentially the Ten Commandments. <laughs> right, is, right. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the, um, the morality of it. Yeah. Yeah, the morality of it, like treat other people how you'd like to be treated. Uh, f- forgiveness, um, you know, forgiveness within reason. Um, sure. and except for the eye for the eye, eye for an eye thing. It's like oh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Except Jesus negated it. Later, he said, oh, "Not deny an eye, tooth for tooth, but turn the other cheek." Yeah, so, yeah. Which is that, that's that's some that's some bitch shit, right? There. Don't, <laughs> turn, don't don't turn the other cheek, like that's. Yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't make too much. Well, Jesus also said um, the something like the uh, any the guy who doesn't believe in me, I'll turn him into sticks and throw him in the fire or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, he he was not. Um, 
Oh, and I'll, my favorite thing about nowadays is all the all the Republicans that are for you know they're they're Christians, they're diehard Christians and all that stuff, yeah. but they love wealth more than anything. Right. They they love they hate the poor people. Right. And outsiders. Yeah. Sure. And it's just how how do you work your minds do the gymnastics around Jesus who hated material possessions and champions the lower classes the disabled all that stuff yeah. and then now you your whole life is around that yet it doesn't it's yeah. amazing so it's the, probably just a show the cognitive dissonance that that we can have well that they're experienced like they're just not even acknowledging right maybe. the the hypocrisy it's of them going hypocrisy. to church every sunday and you know yeah and then and then signing laws that are against poor people exactly the week. yeah yes and stepping there was a my parents are still very, very religious, and my father likes to send me emails that are have a super Republican slant or that are, you know, against the rampant liberalism of San Francisco. And he sends me these these articles because he's funny because my father has a sense of humor and he's trying to sort of get me and he thinks oh, it's okay. cute. But one of them was great. It was and I just thought it was so funny because I broke it down. It was basically about how there's shit all over the street in San Francisco and how unbelievable it was. This man came in from Walnut Creek to have a business meeting and there was feces on the street and the rampant poverty and people living on oh, the street. No. He was so he was so upset and he couldn't understand how the people of San Francisco just let this happen. So he went into McDonald's and he got twenty five dollars of gift certificates and he gave it to people on the street. And I'm sitting I'm like Okay, Dad, it's so funny that you send me this because I know that you're sending it to me because you're making a point about the poop on the street. But what I'm getting out of it is, like, the entitlement of, like, asshole people that come in from Walnut Creek and our city isn't, our city isn't clean enough. Like, you, you're all, you, there's as many people live on your block as live in, more people live in my apartment building than people that live on your block. Yeah, yeah. And they're, and... That's and and the garbage trucks go do 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 down my streets of my you know pretty little thing and my the Me Mexicans coming in doing my grass but don't do the it's like all that hypocrisy is crazy to me mm -hmm. and that then he writes some article that says I'm a better person because I gave out twenty five dollars of McDonald's gift certificates. <laughs> In a way, that's just going to create more shit on the street because you're giving a bunch of homeless people McDonald's. Crappy food. Yeah. 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 And just so funny. And homeless people say some of the most amazing things. Like as like as comedians, they even if we don't use them in our act, they just they I'm sure they make all of us happy when we hear them. Uh, it, um, the perspective. I live in the Tenderloin. You live. You live in Oakland. Tenderloin. Where are you? Uh, I live over in Excelsior, oh, okay. over off uh, Geneva and Mission. So you don't have you don't have too many of the questionably housed. I mean, there. My neighborhood is. Like, we have the same like fifteen. Like, oh. Yeah, like that that hang around there. There's the I'm God guy, mm. which is perfect to talk about here. But yeah, yeah, perfect. He stands on street corners and he just goes. Uh, you're not God. I'm God. Over and over, and then uh, I'm inclined to believe him. Yeah, because uh, I've, I've seen Bruce Almighty. Sure. Yeah, God was homeless in that movie. Um, wasn't yeah. Wasn't God? Uh, um, Morgan Freeman though. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he was a, he was a homeless. He disguised himself as a homeless guy. Um, um, what if God was one of us? Um, <laughs> Just a homeless man on a bus. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, and then uh, I had another one that uh, 
he asked me for a cigarette and I was like, Oh, sorry. Um, I left mine inside. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then he asked for my jacket and I'm like, okay, that's, that's quite a step up. And then another one asked me for a cigarette and I was like, uh, Oh, um, sorry. I don't have any, just this one. Um, and he's like, uh, do you want a chihuahua? And I was like, oh, oh. and also he didn't have a chihuahua. So I was, I was wondering how that transaction was going to go down. Um, and then my favorite one was, a I I kind of cut a homeless guy off. You know how you kind of like have to like just step around. Someone You're doing something sidewalk like politics. Yeah. Right. Right. And, um, uh, and then he, he was just like, Hey, and I turned around and looked at him and he's like, you're lucky I'm not real or else I'd fuck you up. <laughs> and it was just like the, the anger and the drugs mixing together for that <laughs> sentence. Like you're lucky I'm just a figment of your imagination or else like kick your ass. Like that's amazing. Mm. So in my neighborhood, we've got, um, one guy, we call him fuck my life because at like three in the morning, he looks at himself in the reflection of a closed expensive bar on Geary and he yells fuck my life <laughs> fuck my life. so he screaming wakes me up I'm like oh it's fuck my life again or he screams fuck you but not to random people to his own reflection oh man so he screams fuck you fuck you and he's like I feel like, I feel like that's... at himself I feel like that's a, a, exactly what if cats could talk when they see their reflection in the mirror and just like, fuck you, bitch. Like, yeah, that's damn. That's He's, that's some unpacking that's yeah, kind of going on in there. It's, yeah. um, it's some amazing stuff. But we name the there was a lady across the street. So I live across the street from Osha Thai and they have this. They're open until three, which is lovely in the morning. But they have this little alcovey thing and it has glass. It's all glass windows, but they have a little alcovey thing and this lady was sleeping in a sleeping bag there and they open at 11 o'clock a.m. So it's like 11.30 and they must have called the police or something because she was still in alcohol. People are eating. People are sitting there against the window and she's still sleeping there. And the police come by and they honk their horn and she gets up and she has no clothes on. She's completely naked underneath this, underneath this sleeping bag and she's like, it's Saturday. We can sleep. <laughs> and they're like, no. So then she's like walking up and down the street all naked. Like, I don't understand when I get to sleep. It's Saturday. We get to sleep. And, and they're like trying to help her get. So they get her back, sort of her sleeping bags around her. And she was like screaming. But all the people in like the restaurant all bring their phones out and they're all mm, videotaping. Yeah. And like all the people on the street, the French tourists are like, oh, the tourists, you know, we take the photo. <laughs> And it's, I mean, I don't know, San Francisco, can't we like have some compassion and take care of some people because, or is it part of our economy? Are people coming here now? Cause they're like, San Francisco, it's a crazy place. Well, the homeless people are nuts and we just go around and take pictures of them. And there they are. Oh, it's crazy. We are socialist French people. This will never happen. That must be part, definitely part <laughs> of it too. Like I've, I've definitely seen some tourists do the, uh, they, they do the game in their heads where they're, they want to look at the crackhead to make sure that they're safe. Oh, uh-huh. But they also don't want to stare too long at the crackhead too, so they get in this weird like mode, like of just kind of you know moving the head back and forth, mm -hmm. and then that's my favorite. You know, with the sweater tied around the neck. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. The uh, pearl set. Oh, this happened to me. This is very funny. I was walking. I walk a lot in the Tenderloin, and I don't have a problem with it. But these two women, we were deep. We were like Eddie and Hyde, mm -hmm. 
pretty deep oh, yeah. in there. Yeah, and that's... these two ladies in sweater sets with pearls come up to me and they're like, hi, is there a, is there like a little cafe around here? We can get a cup of coffee. Is there anything like cute and local? And I'm like, ladies, you're in the tenderloin. Like nothing is cute and local. Here's we're... what you're going to do. You're going <laughs> to get on the Powell cable car. You're going to take a selfie and then you'll be in North Beach. And then, there you go. Yeah. You'll... You don't, I don't know how you messed it up. I don't know why you're here. Yeah. I sent them though to, um, Brenda's. Mm-hmm. I was like, get some beignets. I'm sure they have coffee with chicory in it. Their beignets are really good. And, it, you know, and you'll spend 25 bucks on coffee and beignets. Go, 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 go. <laughs> this is where you go. And then when you're done, just walk down to the Civic Center or the, the, the City Hall, whatever you want to see. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why. That would have that been great if you just sent them to probably just to Mason and Turk or just like further, <laughs> further in and just, yeah. Oh, I a, sent them out a... to Larkin. I sent them to, I sent them one over. I sent them to Larkin and Eddie. Oh, okay. And I was yeah. like, That's Brenda's nice is there. It's a nice place. It's very gentrified it's you're gonna be fine it's next to the kfc just go past that 19 polk stop don't worry about it turn the corner you're fine fine <laughs> don't worry about it at the uh i love that kfc though that kfc oh, yeah. taco bell at that corner it is it is rife with humanity yeah like that amazing feel woods joke which is um uh uh, the living in San Francisco is so expensive that KFC had to get a roommate. <laughs> that one, that that that's one of those jokes that was like in front of all of us, yeah. but like he he saw it first. Um, uh, but yeah, the uh, that the escape room I work at is in between six uh, and seventh. Okay. Um, and so uh, <laughs> there's a yeah, so there's a there's a lot that's going on in between six and like tenth. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get to tenth, the Twitter market is over there, and then like once you right. get below fifth, that's kind of the touristy right, area. Right, that's the Embarcadero. You got the fifth has got Powell cable car. Yeah, but Union in between sixth and ninth, that's yes. where a lot of it. And so yes. uh, we've had multiple times the people that have come to our escape room have showed us that the concierge at their hotel at the palace hotel or wherever they stayed yeah, yeah. has drawn a red line in a box around sixth seventh and eighth wow like, don't go here right and, wow. which is which is crazy because i mean there's a lot of them there but it's not that bad you I mean, know they don't and there's really... some great shit there there's that flying falafel oh, that's great. there yeah, that may make their own pita bread mm-hmm. and that's like between sixth and seventh yeah yeah and there's omg yeah OMG's. there's omg on sixth street across yeah. the street from there there's two long which is amazing Mm -hmm. Dottie's is there now so things aren't that terrible I mean it moved from a different part of the tenderloin but right right Um, why are we scared of poor people I don't not me I'm not I'm a poor person I'm not scared but like we as like a maybe be I don't know because capitalism or something and that's the worst that's anti-capitalism is being poor because anyone who embraces capitalism obviously would become rich. Therefore, well, maybe it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it's because they're in uh, they're in like a survival mode, mm. and we're kind of not. If you're doing, you know, middle middle class or maybe even like poverty line and above, you're you're do, you're not necessarily doing well, but you're not struggling on the level that they are. Sure. Uh, the homeless people, and they're in like a survival kind of mode. How would a group of homeless people do in the escape room? Would they do it okay? Like, oh man, so would they be would they be successful? Let's. I mean, are the people that you escape they, room they, are they successful? Like, 
I, it, I mean, is it hard to get out? Like, I had to explain to somebody what an escape room was the other day. My boyfriend was like, why don't, what is these escape, all the comedians, they work at escape, what does that mean? And I'm like, what do you, like, okay. Well, I know why a lot of comedians <laughs> work at escape rooms is because the, while a group is in there, there's not, I mean, you're watching them and you're paying attention, but you can write, you can, uh... you can do a lot of, like, you can get a lot of work done while sorry if my bosses are listening to this but yeah uh, but yeah that you can get a lot of work done while they're figuring their shit out yeah yeah because you kind of know where they're at and stuff like that you can figure uh, out how stupid they are when they walk in you know oh, how yeah. long it's going to take them oh, yeah. to figure out tasks a b c i mean we have a we have a buzzer on our door um, like a like a call box, right. and if people can't even figure that out most, <laughs> most of the time is that to ask for like hints like help me that's like, and then you come out and go, hey, I can give you a hint. Uh, luckily, I don't have to go into the room for that. Like, I could just, uh, just like a mic like this, just press the button oh. and go, uh, hey, look over there. Um, but yeah, and then turn it off and be like, this, these people are dumb as hell. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we have a lot of people that are just all common sense kind of goes out the window when you get into a escape room. You think everything is like a puzzle. Uh. Um, but yeah, and then, um, yeah. Uh, but I, escape rooms were made so that white people could feel like they had to, they could pay to feel like they had to flee something or like <laughs> escape from something, you know, like it's, no, they're, it's, it's good. It's a good, it's a good job for a comedian to have for sure. But um, how are you, are you realizing when you're watching people how stupid they are? Is this like affirming most, or disas- most disaffirming? Most of the time, yeah, most of the time. Because your faith in humanity is not being bolstered. No, no, definitely not, definitely not. Especially in the terms of doing simple math. <gasps> like there's there's simple math in some of the rooms where you have to do like PEMDAS. And I've had to like teach PEMDAS to people. Like, what like, does PEMDAS mean? Oh, it's uh, it's like the um, the order of operations. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. If so, if this, then therefore that. Right, right, yeah. Like and so I've had to just like I've had to just teach that to like uh, like lecture that to people. Also, um, some people can't like read. There's like a part where you have to be able to mark locations on a map, and mm. people are just completely lost. On a map, they're like, which country is Africa? Uh, and, um, yeah, and uh, a lot of a, a lot of stuff like that. And uh, there's also this part where you get a you get a key to the motorcycle, and every time people will go to the back of it, like it's this incredible thing where people go to the back of a vehicle to put the key in. Like this is it's not a Pinto. Like the wow, I, I, it's yeah, it's mind mind blowing. Um, but yeah, and then um, a lot of people sometimes will think the lobby, like our lobby, is the escape room. And I'm like, no, you just literally just walked it, like you walked it off the street. This there's other people in here. Like I, that, I get so confused. Yeah, um, there's. I mean, there's stupid questions at every job. Um, but, but this yeah. is basically escape rooms came out of the idea of team building for stuff, right? Like that. Yeah, we get a lot of team building for these corporate uh, right. uh, people and sure. that don't know how to talk to each other, and so they have to do something in order to be able to reference that in conversations the next week. Wow. Um, yeah, I, there was well, back when I was working at Cobbs, they had this whole seminar on feedback and it was just basically 
the whole time they were talking about like compliment sandwich and you right, have right, to, right, yeah right, and right. they don't know how to talk to each other like they all code so much they don't wow. they can't they can't relate or yeah yeah they can't be a human being yeah it's it's so it's odd does not compute get me an escape room are you you have to usually it's an i mean we can stop or when oh no 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 i was just your... my my phone lit up so oh. i glanced over it boop, 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 boop. Um, but Are, yeah, you you've joined technology, but you're a young guy. You're under thirty. You've always had technology. There have been cell phones yeah. around since you were born. Yeah, for the for the most part, I have. Uh, I was born in '93, so I have like oh, a okay. slight slight knowledge of kind of analog times. But uh, that's yeah, that's about it. Um, which always frustrates me because I have a lot of I know a lot of people that were born after me that can still st- consider themselves like a 90s kid and it's like <laughs> your brain wasn't developed until 2000 at right. least yeah. Um, yeah and then I have my my one friend his first memory is 9-11 so that's wow. I, I dodged a bullet there wow yeah. if he thinks if he truly thinks back and meditates on it the first thing he remembers is the the tv screen with the news wow that that's intense yeah what's the, do you, what's the first thing you remember oh the first thing um wow um my dad used to uh my dad's a landscaper and he was landscaping our house at the time and so he uh gave us like wheelbarrow rides with me and my brother around the backyard how, That's old, probably, how old were you probably like three or four. Oh, okay um and then uh and then my second memory is 9-11 no <laughs> uh, which is, I yeah um uh, or my mom or my most fond. No, that's messed up. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, I never forget. Um, which is weird. That's his first memory, and it's never forget. Never forget. Like, never forget. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the it's yeah the um, memories are another thing. Memories are very strange because they change over time. Of and course then you they can, do. You can yeah. add stuff and. Um, Every time you revisit a memory, it changes because where you are in time and what you've experienced is different. And that probably happened to the the Bible a lot too. Like a, David Cross has that joke that it's, the Bible is the biggest game of telephone ever <laughs> yeah. ever invented because uh, like the you know they re-edited it and these kings got it and they took out their favorite verses and yeah um, and all this stuff. And the New Testament is people trying to remember Jesus from years before, decades before, right? right. And all of this is unbelievable anyway because no one knew how to write the only people who knew how to write were the priests and the priests didn't write this shit other people did yeah, so how they were, did they and they were going were, blind because they were reading by candlelight yeah. which makes you go blind it was yeah. all like verbally passed down it was literally a game of telephone mm-hmm. and even when they were like the education was all in the priesthood that's crazy stuff um my first memory i have two first memories and i almost don't believe them because I was so young. I have a, actually I have a couple things that I remember from before I was two and a half. Mm-hmm. One of them I were being I remember being bathed in the sink. So I remember that and I was very, very little. I remember the way my parents' closets looked. They were mirrored um, and they moved out of that house when I was two and a half. I remember my dad kneeling over the top of the toilet with a gun shooting the mockingbirds in the backyard because they were loud and annoying and he hated those fuckers <laughs> and he was trying to shoot them with a bb gun there you go i remember go. that and i remember being little and being very upset but he was like and it, it had the fuzzy the, the the dumb fuzzy thing that you put on a, i don't know why people put toilet seat covers on but the fuzzy toilet oh, yeah. seat cover yeah. and he was like leaning on the back of the toilet out the window and i remember that very vividly 
And so these like very strange memories from, and we, and there's no pictures in my parents' like photo albums that are of those events. Mm -hmm. So they must, I must have remembered them, but I mean, can you really remember things from before you were two? I guess I did. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I, I get that weird thing after sets, too, where I have to sometimes ask, like, my friends that were in the crowd, like, did I do well? Like, I I kind of just, it was in this kind of trance mode. Fugue state, and, yeah. And I can't, like, immediately, it's weird, like, immediately before I'm about to go on stage, I feel like I can't remember any of my jokes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone relates to that, like, any other comedians relate to that, but... Um, it used to freak me out and now I know what's going to happen. So I don't worry about it. Yeah. But like, I, I remember trying to go over my set and it's just like, my memory is gone from it because I'm just focusing on the show or nervous for the show. Sure. But then after I can't really remember exactly what I, did, what yeah. I said I'm sometimes, it, unless it was usually, unless it was like improvised or something like that. I can't remember what exactly happened during Some, my set. Sometimes yeah. if I improvise, I actually can remember it because I'm like, yeah. I came up with a new joke and my brain will go zip, 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 and I'll be able to say it again. Yeah. But I, I, if I had a good set, I'll rarely remember what I did because I'm so involved in the being present for the, exactly. That's, for the event yeah. itself Yeah. that I'm not outside. So sometimes when I have a bad set, it's actually me outside myself telling myself what to I equate it to, I used to act, I used to be a very poor actor because I was memorizing lines and they never truly became my own. So I was never really acting. I was behind myself, helping myself remember what I was saying and what I was supposed to be doing when I was saying said things. Mm -hmm. So I was never completely present in the character and I never really understood acting in that way. And so, because I was like, how am I? Because I was always behind myself telling myself what to do as an actor. And that means that you're not really acting. Right. Whereas in comedy, like, because it's my own script, I'm still remembering it. And I, I don't know, it's weird, but it's, I think it's a performance based, like the muse overtakes us, you know, and then it's just happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, memory is very important for, uh, I have, I have a weird thing where I remember other, I, I remember other comedians jokes oh, that too. I've hated oh. way more vividly than some of my own jokes that I was telling at the time. Um, sure. Like I remember jokes I heard when I first was going to brainwash that I just, I, I'll remember for the, I'll remember Jumbo Shrimp for the rest of my life. You ever heard, see Jumbo Shrimp? I don't think um, so. He was this like. Tell me a joke and I'll tell you if I remember it. Well, no, he didn't tell jokes. The, oh. he, the, he, the, his first two minutes of every set, he would bring up this boom box with him and he would dance to the same techno song he was at Brainwash a lot. I was at Brainwash he, a lot too. He, he was, uh, he kind of looked like if, you know, Joey Diaz in a dryer, like he kind of got <sighs> shrunk down. He had the slick back hair <gasps> and he would just end everything with and shit. He would just say like topical things and shit. Like you hear about this war in Iraq and shit. Oh, wow. We're still in Afghanistan and shit. And uh, over and over, I, I, I remember that very, oh, wow. very clearly. Um, I remember, uh, True Dan's, his opener was always, uh, um, 
I've been taking Ritalin before I go to sleep so I can focus on my dreams. Yeah. And it's just like, which is, which, which is okay, but I don't, I don't know why, but I just didn't. Just got in your head. Yeah, just got in my head. And there's like a thousand other ones. Oh, like no, that, I know. I, I couldn't remember anything I was saying back then. It found return to Ricky Star. That was one of them yeah, I remember yeah. over and over. I'm like, yeah. If you do the same set every time, we're going to accidentally memorize it. Stop it. Do new stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why, like, and that's probably why comedians don't laugh because we've heard all the the jokes before. If something has yeah. something new, I might laugh, but um, it's hard. Or sometimes I laugh because something is so uncomfortable, or they say something so honest and they don't mean to. I'm the worst audience. You can't judge anything by my my opinion of what's funny and what's. You not were a good funny. audience for that Berkeley show. You were you were good. <laughs> well, I think you're funny. There's a oh, lot there to laugh go. at. That's good. So that, that is good. That I've is seen. Good. Uh, and I felt terrible. Your whole family was so kind to show up. I Oh, I, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that was, and it happened. I talked to Michaela uh, Lassick, I think her last name mm-hmm. is, and she was on one of the ones before, and same thing. She said that if, um, if she hadn't, it was basically the people that she brought and then the people that uh, the other comedian brought as well. And it's like, well, what's, what, what do you, what's the promoter doing at all at that point like i i, I don't oh, i don't like, understand it's like 30 bucks per ticket and oh then it's so y- crazy yeah but he but he does a thing with the i don't want to say it on the air oh, okay, people okay. get in trouble with the yeah because here at mutiny radio we learned that when we went from like being before the abc shut us down with that we were like alcohol such a draw and now mm-hmm. it's like oh we can't have that be it's a it's a sticky line, like yeah, how yeah. where you can do things and how much you can charge and who's willing to pay it and for what reason. And mm-hmm. I don't have friends anymore. I can't make people like, how do I get people to come to a comedy show? I mean, it burned all those bridges. I have friends that legitimately tell me they're like, you know, I just don't like comedy. And I'm like, come on, why don't you? It's me. Yeah. But they get so nervous because they're afraid that because they've gone to comedy shows in the past where com- comedians have attacked them oh. because they look different or because of something. And they just were like, I don't want to, that doesn't, they're like, I'd rather not have my comedy interact with me. I'd rather just watch it on Netflix. Right. And that I'm makes like, sense. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's why people are always afraid to sit like up front. Um, yeah. And when I would see people at Cobbs, I would tell them, oh, no, this comedian's not like that. And then sometimes the comedian would be like that yeah. and kind of roast them. And then like, I'd, I'd be by the door once everyone's leaving and they kind of give me a look like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thanks for throwing me I, under the bus. Yeah. I, I, I brought a date here and now I'm never going to wear these like glasses and this shirt again or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's but uh, So you don't work at Cobbs anymore? No, 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 no. Um, Because that was kind of conflict. It was, you know, Wednesday through Sunday working nights. I was kind of, that kind of got to me after a while. I wasn't, I was only able to do, you know, Monday, Tuesday mics and. Uh, Yeah, I got you. um, Well, but you used Cobbs what it was for, what it was for. You got, you got up at the right time. Everybody saw you do well. You got to go up again. Now they, now you're a go-to for them. That's amazing. So you used, instead of being like. The kind of comedian that's like, I'm going to work at Cobbs and something will happen eventually. Something happened eventually. And then you're like, okay, bye. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Right. <laughs> yes. Appreciate yeah. it. But that's great. That means that, that means that you are working towards an eventual goal and you don't want to get stuck. I mean, you don't want to like, you didn't want to be in 20 years sitting at the door of Cobbs being like, Hey, yeah. Uh, 
I do right. open mics on Monday and Tuesday. Right, <laughs> yeah, right, like, yeah, yeah. You and used the connection for what it was for, and then yeah. you moved on. Yeah, and I mean, it's, and the, mainly it was that I was seeing, you know, my, the, get, doesn't matter if they're better or worse than me, I was seeing my peers on stage, and that was like, repeatedly for the, you know, Hella Funny showcases and sure. uh, et cetera, all the way down the line, and not it wasn't even really the the openings and features and the headliners that would I would... I enjoyed those for the most part, except for Jay Moore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because uh, he did 15 minutes on the weather. Um, oh man, yeah. Oh my God. Um, and I, but his, his facial reconstruction isn't good enough. Talk <laughs> about Botox, you vain old fuck. Like you're gonna seriously talk about the weather? Yeah. How like, boring. He talked about the fog for 10 of it. Yeah. yeah address, yeah. address your bad Botox, honey. Come yeah. on. Yeah. So my favorite one was Gilbert did. Uh, Gilbert did 15 minutes, like a, a concise, like Gilbert argument, if that's even possible. But yeah, he did 15 minutes on how midgets aren't people, <laughs> and he st- he started out by saying like ridiculous stuff, but as he got through it, it started to be become like concise points almost like if Gilbert can actually make those like it was like he started with ridiculous reasons and you know obvious jokes but then it went it went to like him actually being you know in a courtroom arguing like against the Supreme Court for it and yeah then he yeah we and that was that was when we started to count the people that were leaving wow like just to just to see because but when it, you're a famous headliner who gives a f- you don't have to give you know, a fuck Gilbert didn't care of yeah. course not. yeah you know he didn't care um, and he also had way worse jokes than that in the set but that one you know he had he had yeah. jokes about you know yeah like you know pedophilia and Gilbert has all that stuff sure. um and uh but that that was the one that people were leaving over was the 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 midget stuff and then we had this woman they like to be called little people anthony zaccaro right i'm sorry to, to all in the... pc san francisco you know i'm, I'm kidding i'm, I'm joking. no I, I i know i also wanted to say your name again for people that are listening oh, that, so that yeah, they know good. like that they could find you at anthony zaccaro at external on, jew on twitter on tw- oh are you at external jew on twitter that's very funny yeah um on the Instagrams, doing the things. Yes. I can find you. Yes. And if anyone's in the uh, Sacramento area as well, on the 12th, come to Blacktop Comedy. Uh, shout out to Josh Means. He does a lot of good roasts. He came there. here for uh, Some Call Me Tim, and he was he was great. He was, and he was, he was really a lovely interview. Good guy. Yeah. Working hard out yeah. there in Sacktown. Yeah. Yeah. Sacramento has a cool, like, there's like 30 of them, but they're all very close. And they, um, they yeah, they all, they all do a lot of shows over there. And, um yeah, and then they drive up to the to the uh, city. They come to, on in to the Gold Rush and all that stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, all the way from uh, Sutter's Fort. But yeah, Sac- Sacramento is a cool, a cool place. I'm glad that there's a good comedy scene um, out there. Small but robust. Yeah, yeah, because um, there kind of there kind of wasn't when I was not not like I would have gone, but when I was 16, 17, and looking into it, it was just um, it was basically just the Tommy T's that now moved to a different location since then. Sure. Um, but yeah, I remember doing, I remember doing 20 minutes to uh, people at a restaurant that didn't know I was going to be there. Uh, was that the one in West Sac? Yeah. Yeah. I've done that show. Yeah. 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 And um, it's in a cool room. It's just, nobody knows like the exactly. back room to go there. And they're like, what's going on back here? Like, huh? yeah, it was just a bunch of sound of forks, forks clinking. And, yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks to thanks to Josh Means for the spot. Um, and um, shout out to Jacob Blazer, who I'm roasting. I haven't haven't met him yet, I, but I, I've been writing yeah, horrible things about you for awesome. the past three days. That's uh, very funny. Yeah, yeah. Give us a little, give us an example. Oh, okay. Well, he looks like, um, um, to give people an idea of what he looks like, um, yeah, he looks like if Walter White got higher than his own supply. So just yeah, think about think about that. So, or or just look up uh, or just look up Jacob Blazer online. Um, he, you know, he looks like an American History Extra for real. Um, um, yeah, he 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 wears glasses. So I'm thinking about saying like, uh, you think you have uh, you're so racist. You think you have bad vision because your pupils don't work because they're black. And that's 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 why. You, uh, wow. Um, and then I just have like a oh, that's another thing. This thing that there's this thing that's becoming really helpful. Uh, it's called uh, twinning on pop sugar. It's like the celebrity that you look like the most. Oh. And so I've been just taking his like Facebook profile pictures, putting them in that, seeing what celebrities he looks like. And it just tells you all like. the information. Beauty of technology. Uh, and um, and so I came up with a, a, a but yeah, he looks like uh, if the edge was suicidal. Um, <laughs> like you choose the These are edge? just alternates. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hot, hot topic manager Billy Corgan. Um, <laughs> Billy Joel, fresh out the dryer. Um, yeah, uh, if you bleached Gandhi, uh, Bruce Willis with AIDS. Yeah, it just goes. Yeah, that's great. He seriously though, he looks like the first pirate to go through chemo. He, really <laughs> like, he seriously does. <laughs> or uh, so good. But that's the that's another thing that's uh, really important if if anyone is like listening to this that's gonna roast. Uh, so for Josh Means, what he does is he does five. You only get five jokes. Oh. And a lot of people will just say one kind of one joke and then they're punchlines yeah and then they're and then they're done but what you can do is you can call them like a name and that doesn't count as your joke and then you can kind of do like a setup joke and then the real one ah Um, yeah and that's what i did for my last roast against teddy yang this you know large asian gentleman very nice guy it was very hard to roast him like because he was was so nice yeah Yeah. uh, it was great to meet him but yeah so i said like uh, I called her Margaret Chode, um, and see that's if I I could have just left it at that, but then I followed it up with I loved you in Tiananmen Square as the tank. Yeah, so the you just have to that's how you, that's how it's done. Right, yeah. Margaret Chode. So you you yeah you address them. Yeah, yeah. Right. But they address like you can. The address is funny. Yeah, and every word weighs a ton. Yeah, ah, yeah. especially in his case. Yes. yes. <laughs> Um, and then he, uh, yeah, the the great, the rest in peace to Greg Giraldo. He did that a lot. He would um, just have these like short phrases uh, before the actual roast joke. It's a it's a double joke. So it's like, hey, tank girl, and then you just you, yeah, I get it. Right, you right. Name them, and, so, and then um, you have a thingy. It's I'm like, gonna yeah. call him David Crossburner. Uh, and, um, hey, David Crossburner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was trying to come up with like, uh, your last name's Blazer. What's your middle name, Cross? But I I don't know if that would. That's kind of a reach, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So looking forward yeah. to that. Well, he looks like he needs a reach around, or he's looking right. for he's looking for a reach. He does around. look like the first openly gay neo-Nazi for sure, <laughs> like the first one they've allowed. Yeah. Um, the reach around. He invented the reach around. Nazi <laughs> Germany. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. you don't have to look him in the eye. Right. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so that's upcoming shows. We've told you where people can find you. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other like. 
Well, you're part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. I'm excited yes, about that. Yes, very excited. Yay! Very excited about that. I'm thinking uh, if I can um, confirm with one of my friends, we might uh, take one of those podcasts. Awesome. Yes. Well, perfect. If they're get still to open. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get to me soon because I'm making up. This is the week where I'm putting together all of my... I'm putting all the PRs together. Oh, okay. That my guy is like working furiously on the front on the logo stuff. Um, I'm waiting for an image, and then we're gonna like it's gonna be really cool because everyone supporting us this year is like friends of mine. But they're like so it's Subliminal SF and Counter Offer and Benders, and they're all so and Benders does metal shows. So this year I told him I was like, okay, the graphic I want it to look like like a zombie comic, like with a drippy face and like, like Oh, okay, nice. I want it to like a metal poster. So that's going to be like the image is like something that looks super metal. Fuck yeah. And, right. then, okay. and then so we'll see. And I think it might be like an orange palette or something, but mm-hmm. it's all coming out soon. Like all that promo stuff. And it's just, I have to be very calm and be like, once I get the images, everything will be fine. I'm going to write the peers. But yeah, get to me like within the next couple of days of, that time and then it'll get on the schedule. I mean, obviously it'll be on the schedule anyway, but it'd get in the, some of the, I'm writing the PRs right now. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it's right for like the right, like when we're done with the interview, then I, I sit down and write some PRs, but, um, yeah, for the, it's just like, it's going to be great this year. I think it's going to be the biggest year yet. And hopefully I get some like really great press, which would be like, would be great. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's so hard in San Francisco to, to like, you have to, it's like you have to pay to play. If you want people to know that you exist, you have to pay them on the internet. And it mm-hmm. sucks because I don't have any money. But like successful shows, they, that's how they do it. They promote in the right places. They pay for promotion and then they get at the top of lists. And when people look up, you know, comedy shows, they see right, Cheaper right. Than Therapy and Hella Funny. Like, because yeah, you, because you, yeah. because obviously it's punchline and cobs, and then, and then then cheaper than therapy always shows up, and it's like it's not a wonder why it happens because they pay for it. So yeah, yeah, that's one of those things I have to work my way around is cap su- success, not using capitalism. Right, it's hard. It's hard it to is. do. It yeah, sucks. I wish everybody took pot treats as payment. It would just make my life yeah, so much easier. That would be that would, would be, be nice. Like smooth sailing. Uh, so, yeah, but you come from Sacramento, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, you came here. How long ago did you move here? About seven, eight years ago. Yeah, so you're uh, no, you're from here now. Yeah, yeah. I lived here, lived here long enough for sure to yeah. know my way, know my way around. Um, and I also love the the fact that I can make like local jokes, as we were talking about earlier about the tenderloin and stuff like that. That's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, yeah, I love San Francisco. Uh, gonna be here for probably a little bit longer. Um, and then making the move to LA or New York. That, uh, that's the, that's the decision for all of us. Um, um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see at you that point. You seem more like but... a New York kind of person than in LA. Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, I like the idea of both. I, I, I feel like uh, I sweat very easily, so I'd have to. I go to. I'd go to New York. Would be, would be nice. Well, it's like it gets hot there too, but yeah, uh, it's not all year round. Right. Um, but yeah, the oh, there I go talking about weather. Damn, yeah, do it. Fuck you, Jay Moore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the that that was also weird. After his show, he just was d- disappeared oh. as well. Like no, like yeah, that was that mm. was strange. But anyway, um, yeah, thanks, th- thanks for this. I don't know. If yeah, you wanna, no, this uh, is great. Go see Anthony. In Sacramento at the 
Black Star? Gold Star? Uh, black top comedy. Black top if you want to comedy. see a, a Jew roast a Nazi, that's for a change. There we go. The not a Jew. Remember his Twitter. Oh right, yeah, just externally. Just externally. Yeah, that's all right. So funny. Um, this has been great. I'm glad, I'm glad I've gotten. I was excited about you. I'm like, oh, I get to go. I get to go Anthony Zagaro a little better. Me too. How fun. Me this too. is I was really great. Too. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, uh, everybody, check out him and all of his Facebooks and comedy shows and and tell people about him and. And come to Pam Benjamin's shows. Yeah. Come to Mutiny Radio. Support Mutiny Radio. Somebody come to these shows. They will eventually because I have a new scheme. I'm going to get a bunch of comedians together. I'm going to bribe them with pot food, weed, smokable weed, and and pizza when they're done. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to send them out. Once the flyers are made for the festival, I'm going to send them out to this neighborhood because people live here. And we're going to say, hey, did you know there's a comedy festival and there's a comedy thing right around the corner? You can just walk off. What? It's great. Yeah. And then it'll be like a person to person kind of like introduction because technology just doesn't work for me. Right. So I need yeah. to be like, what does work for me? Person to person contact. And if everyone goes out and like if every if every comic went to 10 houses, <laughs> Maybe we don't, none of us have to have friends anymore. We right, can just right. have the neighborhood because mm. they don't even know the place exists. Yeah. People yeah. have lived here around the corner for years and they're like, I always wondered what that was. <laughs> <laughs> the sign outside doesn't help. So yeah, uh, this has been some call me Tim where we talk about God and stuff next week. No idea who's on, but somebody uh, come to happy hour, come to Pam Tastics. And we'll see you guys next week. Everything Mutiny Radio. Anthony Zaccaro. Yay! Thanks, everybody.
to patter. Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. 
Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counteroffer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counteroffer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counteroffer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counteroffer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, punk rock and schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips. Don't know anything about it. Sorry. All on my limited view. 